0: The game is over. The New York Jets are the world champion. You play
1: to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official New York Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production.
2: EA, the draft is. It's fast approaching, you could say. It's and not fast enough, Greens. <laughs> and it, it, it is kind of a slow time of year right now, between the owners' meetings and the NFL draft. To me, it's a little slow. There's a lot of hoopla out there. You read a lot. Well, teams There's are a new really story busy every day because
0: you know you're here at the facility. You're seeing prospects come in left and right because the Jets are in the middle of their prospect visits right now. But that's all wrapping up, and then Mike McKagan and Brian Heimendinger, uh, Todd Bowles, all the scouts, everybody's going to get together. They'll put the big board together, and we're not that far away.
2: Two weeks is a long time, to say the least, especially in the NFL world. Later in the show today, again, the official Jets podcast with Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen. We're going to bring in CBS Sports' Jason Lock All things draft, maybe a little free agency recap there to get his opinions because he's a very intelligent guy throughout the National Football League.
0: And a fellow Syracuse alum. I didn't even say it,
2: you, but yes. I had to bring yes. it up
0: because I know that would put you in a good mood.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. I guess, EA, my question you would be like, as we're only a couple of weeks away now is, what what can really change between now and the NFL draft?
0: Well, I don't know if teams at this point today have their final grade set on everybody. They're still collecting and processing information, and it's not there as far as, well, we know exactly who we're taking. I bet you if you went to Cleveland right now, they have the number one overall selection, I bet you 100% they don't know who they're taking. They might have a good idea, Mm. but I don't know if they're there yet. So I still think, you know, you got to be very thorough in the process, and You know, for the Jets, you're sitting there at number three overall. But not only are you sitting there at number three, what can change, Greens? They have six draft picks. Mm -hmm. Let's take into account not only number three, which we will focus on today because we're not going to bury the lead per se, but those picks in the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, those are all very important as you continue to build depth to your program. So I think a ton of things can change. You go Thursday night, and it's just one round. But then it really starts again, it starts anew on Friday with rounds two and three. And that, the day three is hugely important to the depth of your team as you continue to build. And then the coaching staff has to take these guys and mold them. And then what are those late-day gems you can find that can help you out down the line? Bottom line, we're going to focus in on a lot of number three. But a ton can change because – We don't know who the Browns are selecting. Do the Giants know exactly what they're going to do? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're going to be taking a lot of calls about people want to come up and take a quarterback at two. And the other thing you have to do, and I'm giving you a long-winded answer, but I'm all over the place because I'm so excited about this, is that if you're in a war room right now or if you're in a draft room right now, I should say, you have to say, well, I think Cleveland's going to do this. Well what if the Giants do this? But what if the Bills come up to two? Who are the guys are going to be there? And you might be on the clock at three, not knowing exactly who those teams are going to take until it actually
2: happens. It seems that a lot of these big conversations like what you're saying is, you know, if you're in the war room and you're Mike McCagnon and Brian Heimerdinger and the rest of the talent evaluation across the collegiate level is you're asking, okay, well, what are the Browns going to do? What are the Giants going to do? Does this team look like they're going to move up and potentially trade ahead of the Jets or well, just trade McKinney up in general? He said
0: forthright about it. He said that the Jets pay attention to mock drafts.
2: Well, yeah, and I think it's funny because a lot of those same conversations are probably happening not only inside the football world, but as a water cooler conversation throughout Fans across the league. And I think that's pretty interesting because there are a thousand different scenarios based on who gets drafted where and who moves up and who moves back. And I think that's just the nature of the beast in the NFL draft and why it's so exciting because it is unpredictable because you couldn't expect the Kansas City Chiefs to move up 17 spots and draft Patrick Mahomes. No,
0: but what you're seeing in this 2018 draft class, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, is that the way people are talking about the quarterbacks right now is that you have this top quartet and that's in any order you're going to put it it's Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield but how do teams stack them up together and what the jets did by moving up to number 3 from number 6 they've ensured staring at least two of those four now if the giants take a positional player You'll be staring at three of those four. I'd be fascinated to know what other clubs think of guys like Lamar Jackson and Mason Rudolph. And, you know, we're going to ask Jason Luckin for about that. Could we have half a dozen quarterbacks go in the first round? I think it's probably very possible.
2: I think so, too. And especially if the quartet, like you mentioned, in Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield, if those guys go real early. That I think it bumps up where someone like Lamar Jackson or Mason Rudolph gets selected because if four of the top five picks are quarterbacks, then you're looking, if you want the next best guy, you got to make a move to make sure that you get that guy, similar to the way the Jets moved up to ensure that they're facing at least two of the top four prospects come the third overall selection.
0: Again, as we sit here, I think the prevailing notion from people who cover the National Football League on a daily basis, the belief is Cleveland is going to go either Josh Allen or Sam Darnold. At two, I don't sense that people have a good read on the Giants whatsoever. Could they take a quarterback? What do they think about Davis Webb? We know that they're committed to Mm -hmm. Eli Manning. With that being said, they still could take a quarterback. And if Darnold comes off the board at one, would the Giants be interested in Allen? Or Rosen, maybe. Or Rosen. Or one of those clubs that everybody talks about, whether it's the Buffalo Bills, maybe the Miami Dolphins, maybe Arizona, will they make those calls mm-hmm. because they like their guy at two, and at what point for some of these teams is a price too high? I don't know. Uh, if you ask me today, I couldn't tell you. I, quarterback, I would say, is 100% gone one. I have no idea what's happening at two.
2: I, a couple things in regards to the Giants. Is I know a lot of analysts have, project the Bills as a likely trade partner to number 2, but if you're Dave Gettleman and the Giants is, are you really comfortable moving back 10 spots because this is a draft that many people believe there's only a few select blue chippers in this draft and then the talent level drops off, but there's really good depth. I think something is very interesting because Eli Manning is, you know, at the ladder Half, maybe latter eighth of his career. Later stages. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, 37, 38 years old is. How often are you picking top three overall? No. So you know you might you know it may seem obvious that they're going to draft a quarterback, but if you really do believe in Eli Manning and you're not sold on any of these guys, then maybe you just want someone like Bradley Chubb because they just traded Jason Pierre-Paul to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last month so there are really a thousand different combinations to the lock all right, all right you just mentioned jason let's bring in jason lockett four and continue to talk
0: about the draft here in a moment without further ado let's bring in jason lockett four of cbs sports what have you thought of the jets off season to date specifically early on Plan A, they targeted Kirk Cousins and free agency, but then they pivoted quickly.
1: Yeah, I I mean, look, you've always got to have contingencies. And as much as they knew the extent to which they were willing to go for Kirk Cousins and as much as they wanted to present a plan to him that made it clear that, look, we're prepared to build this franchise around you and pay you, you know, in ways that no one, frankly, has ever been paid in this league before, they knew that Minnesota had a different sort of point in their sort of evolution. And, you know, there were certain things that the Vikings could offer that the Jets, frankly, just couldn't right now. So it's not as if they ever, as much as they were all in on Kirk Cousins, that he was the only person. And obviously there were some other backup quarterbacks, you know, one with some upside in Teddy, and one who, frankly, was, I mean, one of the top five to six quarterbacks in the AFC. And maybe I'm selling him short. Maybe, I mean, it might be more like three to five considering uh, the down years a lot of guys had in this conference last year, and McCown, who obviously is already a scheme fit and who has proven to be one of the premier quarterback mentors all-around good guys, perfect bridge quarterbacks in the NFL. The problem for the Jets is they haven't had the guy on the other side of that bridge to bring along. <laughs> and we're, they're about to change that um, with the third overall pick. And clearly they did, you know, Anybody who thinks that oh well they reversed course and started really getting in on these young quarterbacks once they lost Cousins is foolish and naive. They've always been going down two parallel paths. One we want to do as much work on all these kids so that we feel comfortable about getting the best guy possible for our franchise if we need to use that selection on a quarterback and we're also going to throw a lot of money and energy at Kirk Cousins and you know now they're at a point where they're going to be drafting a quarterback.
0: We're going to talk a lot about quarterbacks there's no doubt about that but uh you mentioned that, obviously, they re-signed McCown with a lower risk, potentially high-reward signing of Teddy Bridgewater, the star of the free agency class for the Jets, of course, Trumaine Johnson, and also, Jason, they've been very active, but they've set themselves up long-term because they have a lot of money under the cap, again, in 2019, where you know better than I do. I guess that class is supposed to be star-studded. We'll see what happens when we get there next spring.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll see. In this day and age, I'm not sure how star-studded any free agent class is going to be, because yeah. the cap continues to grow. And as teams continue to realize, we'd rather reinvest in our own guys and take chances in free agency. And as we've seen, I mean, we've got guards making $30 million guaranteed over two. You know, we've got guards being paid like left tackles. We've got number three and four wide receivers being paid like number ones in free agency. As much as the Jets were prepared to spend, there were thresholds where they, you know, they just weren't going to go to. They weren't going to give Dante Moncrief ten million dollars just to walk in their building. I mean, there's certain you know, there's guys they like, but but at a certain price point, and you bend a little more for some uh, more than others. I mean, you mentioned True. That that's a player that um, they've been well aware of for a long time. You mentioned Brian Heimendinger. I mean, Brian obviously came from the Rams organization. You know, he was around Jeff Fisher and all those guys and and a part of their scouting staff when they were bringing True and. Into the league, so they, they, you know they've got a pretty good book on him, and they know what they're getting. And obviously, landing uh, a, a guy or two to help supplement the young safeties that that they're developing um, in that in that defensive secondary was something they had to do in free agency, you know. And, and they did it. Um, and, and I mean, as, as much as they, you know, as they did in free agency, they're also at a point now too where this is about player development and about, you know, they were a young team last year, really young, and I felt punched above their weight class more weeks than not. And, you know, if those guys stay on, enough of those guys stay on that trajectory next year, then, you know, that lessens the need to go out and spend at five or six positions in free agency. Because ultimately, you know, they want to be a team whose bread and butter is the draft.
0: You're down there in Maryland, Jason. What do you think about Terrell Pryor's addition? Obviously, last year, a tough one for him since he got hurt early in the year. But that year prior, in 2016, yeah. he broke out in Cleveland. And speaking of the former Browns, how about Isaiah Crowell as well? What about those two guys, what potentially they could add to this offense?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 low-risk endeavors. Those are positions that they may continue drafting at in the mid-rounds or whatever, but in the meantime, you, know, you want to have NFL-caliber players helping to supplement your roster. And would you rather take Terrell Pryor, or would you rather give Moncrief $10 million just for showing up, and Mark Eastley $18 million guaranteed over two years just because he's caught some balls in this league, or a 33-year-old Jordy Nelson guarantee him two years at $15 million, even though if you don't know, he could still run. If that's where things are going, and it's that haywire, then you're going to have to keep drafting skill guys. And I'll take my shot with Pryor on a relatively no-frills, look kind of a situation. And look, Crowell's a guy who has shown that he can carry a heavy load. He didn't really get that heavy of a load, though, because the Browns were often behind in games and chucking it all over the place and, you know, Kaiser throwing picks in the end zone and all that. <laughs> uh, I think he was kind of awkwardly utilized. I'll maybe frame it that way. But someone who could be a grinder for them and just help keep the chains moving. But, again, would not shock me if they're doing something with a running back at some point in this draft as well.
2: Jason, where do you stand with this quarterback class coming out of the draft with Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield? And I know that you recently wrote that you don't believe Josh Allen is going to make it past number three come April 26th.
1: I don't. I mean, look, he may not make it to two. I mean, he's certainly in play with the Cleveland Browns, and that may be John Dorsey's liking. You know, two, I can't tell you I know what the Giants are going to do. I don't know that the Giants absolutely know what the Giants are going to do. I think they should draft a quarterback. But at the end of the day, they could be trading out of that spot. I could see the Bills going up to two and taking Darnold. I could see the Giants taking a quarterback just because logic would dictate it. Or I could see Dave Gettleman saying, I'm rolling with Eli for two years, and I'm going to take or Barkley because they're the best players on my board. But, If you made me guess right now, if you made me do a mock draft right now, I will refuse to do that until the day of the draft because you just don't know. And it's two weeks out seems like it's close, it's an eternity um, in terms of information gathering.
0: What are people missing on Allen, I guess, externally? Because you're talking about Allen that potentially he goes number one overall. I was at the NFL owners' meetings in Orlando, Florida, and you got the feel from a lot of NFL personnel executives and guys who watch the game inside and out that hey this guy has an incredible ceiling that's it yeah uh,
1: yeah i mean th- that's that's really it like the other ones like I-, I guess if you ask people who's the most pop maybe the like the most polished like the guy who if you want to I-, I won't say well maybe i'd say relatively play it safe you know and you know you want to get a guy who can play in the league for a long time now he may never go to a pro ball but he's probably not going to pee down his leg, right? He's probably not going to be a guy who you don't pick up the fifth-year option on. Then I think it's Darnold. If you're not trying to hit a double, if you're trying to hit a grand slam, if you're trying to find a Brett Favre type, well, this kid fits the mode. Now, he may... (laughs) He may not. You know, he could be Jake Locker. You know, I mean, that it's not out of the question. There's a lot of projecting involved. But if you're looking for a guy who could, you know, potentially, if he puts it all together, if the accuracy comes together, he fixes a few things, could jump off the screen, that's him. But are you a gambler or aren't you? And what makes sense for your program? And it's going to be Dorsey's call. It's not going to be Hugh Jackson's call. It's not going to be, you know. I mean, the owner will absolutely be involved, but at the end of the day, I think this is going to be John Dorsey's call. He's going to keep it very close to the vest, probably just him and the owner. And does he do what he did a year ago in Kansas City, where Dorsey was very involved with them ultimately making a big trade to go up and get Patrick Mahomes, big arm, you know, all that same gunslinger stuff just, you know,
0: 11 months ago. At what point, does the price become too steep for Buffalo to come up to number two? Because you mentioned them before, and a lot of people have talked about their draft capital, and sure enough, they do have a lot of draft capital, Jason. But when you're just looking at number 12, and I believe, what is it, 21 or 22 overall, that's not going to get you to two. And is it three number ones? Is it a couple of twos and an additional three? At what point does it become too pricey for Brandon Bean and anybody to come up to that number two spot if the Giants are really going to sell out of there?
1: Well, the question is do I have to go to two? You're talking to two. And really right now is the dead spell, right? Don't believe a lot of what you see right now. Everyone's in bunker mode. All these teams are having their, you know, eight hours a day, meeting on position groups, and setting their master boards, and they're entertaining these kids on trips, and everybody's in sort of their own private Idaho. And then when that process ends by next weekend, all the gophers pop out of their holes, and they know what their boards look like, and they start trying to figure out what everybody else's boards look like. You know what I mean? And if this yep. guy's there for you, and this guy's there for us, maybe that's a match, and that's when you start finding out where the preferences are, because you have to tip your hand a little bit if you're looking to move up or down or whatever, There's, you know, communication lines are open.
0: Right now, what's the best-case scenario, do you think, for the Jets? If you're a fan of this team, what do you want to happen up top before you're on the clock at 3?
1: Look, if the Browns take a quarterback, and they're going to, and let's say I would be rooting for the Giants to stay there and take a non-quarterback, because now my organization's going to have three of the supposed top four there, then they're going to be in a position to... I mean, maybe even move back a a pick or two. I mean, who knows? I mean, I guess it depends how far down the rabbit hole you want to get. But the more quarterbacks on the board, I would suggest the better for them, the less likely it is that they took guy A or guy B. But this draft is, I mean, this is not like the RG3 luck draft. You know, it's not even like the Wentz golf draft, where maybe you have them in some order or the other. Um, and look, a lot of evaluators who I'm tight with weren't real high on golf, but he obviously played very well for McVeigh last year. But, you know, you kind of knew who the first two were. Like, when I talk to people with teams who aren't drafting quarterbacks, at least not draft them in the first round, but you're still evaluating everybody, you still had scouts at all these games. And I say, give me your quarterbacks one through five. No one gives them to me in the same order. Right. right? No. One. And it's not like, okay, well, one and four and five are always the same, but two and three are flipped. Like, There's people who adamantly believe that Mason Rudolph is the third-best quarterback in this draft. And there's others who say I wouldn't take him in the third round. I don't know that there's any sort of true consensus. At least I haven't been able to glean one.
0: Do you think there's any kind of, uh, when you're looking at a system fit, Jeremy Bates taking over, now is offensive coordinator. Uh, Had tremendous success last year with Josh McCown. You mentioned McCown before. Uh, He's a guy who... Uh, Obviously, he's going to want to compete, be the number one guy in opening day, but he's also going to share his knowledge with whoever is in his room with him. Do you look at any of these guys and say, well, they'd be a good fit with the Jets?
1: I, I don't, I mean, there's so much transition, and the league changes so much every three years. I don't know how much you can make that decision about who fits, what our coordinators and schemers and play callers do best right now. You know, I think it's got to be who do we think has the best chance to succeed at a high level for a long time, and then what do we have to do to help them get there? And if that means tweaking this and altering that, then I I think it's about how you incubate and develop a quarterback. You know, so, I I mean, do you want to absolutely put a square peg in a round hole? I mean, like, should you draft Lamar Jackson – If you have no intentions of having a moving pocket, boots, you know, waggles, you know, design runs for a quarterback, well, no. But that's, you know, an extreme. I mean, if you are philosophically opposed to that, then he's not your guy. But it's usually not that cut or dry, and and the margins are usually slimmer. So I don't know how much you focus that into it. Obviously, you're talking to your – the coaches are involved in these decisions. They're not making the final call, but – you know, as you're putting these guys on the board, and as you're you're shredding through these quarterbacks on film and through the scouts standing up and giving their reports, you're going to ask Jeremy. You know, where do you, where do you see? You know, what does he do that you think is already ready? What would you have to massage? How, you know what I mean? How, yeah. how do we get there? I don't know how much that swings the pendulum.
2: EA mentioned the Giants and the magnitude of that decision and the domino effect that could. Affect the Jets at number three. Just for fans that don't know, how much of a card do the Giants hold there at number two?
1: Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's significant. I, I mean, especially if Allen goes one, and he's not everybody's cup of tea, then they're sitting in the cap bird seat. And if they don't want to draft a quarterback, depending on how wild and wooly it gets, I mean, if you're the Jets and there's one of these last three remaining who you absolutely ha- is your guy five thousand percent, and he's the one. Do you move up a spot just to, you know what I mean to make sure yeah. you don't get leapfrogged? And then could Denver conceivably do that too? Yeah. And we already know Buffalo's loaded for bear, and I would not rule out the Patriots making multiple leaps if absolutely necessary. Do I think it's going to two? No, but it's at least a feather in Gettleman's cap. You know, potentially as he's drumming up more and more value for it. Could Arizona try to get from fifteen to two? Yeah, and I would say unless they're in love with Jackson or Rudolph, they better. So I think it's going to be fairly interesting, and I think Gettleman will have a fair amount of options to sort through.
0: Have any of these guys really helped themselves or hurt themselves throughout the offseason process of going through the pro days of the draft visits, et cetera? I, I,
1: I do. I've actually talked to some people about that this week. It just came up in conversations. I think Mayfield has helped himself. Hmm. You know, he picked a low key agent who wasn't going to go too overtly with the we're cleaning up his image campaign, but it's just kind of happened organically. There's been no incidents with him. He's handled himself well in interviews. I mean, I guess there's this fake Browns thing about the first class ticket or whatever. I mean, whatever the hell that is. But <laughs> I, I mean, the kid has, by all accounts, interviewed well, you know, hasn't said anything crazy to any owners. I think he's played this well. Lamar Jackson, I think, frankly, could have probably benefited from an experienced agent to help guide him.
0: Listen, you're going to have your mock draft on Thursday, the morning of the draft, in a couple weeks, so I'm not going to hold you to it, but the possibilities right now, do you potentially see this, a six-quarterback first round, Yeah, if you think Jackson and
1: Rudolph? I do, and I know there's, again, there's there's people who would bet me, you know, people in the scouting community and – You know, agents involved with some of these quarterbacks and and people, you know, whose livelihoods are on the line. Any number of them would bet me several thousand dollars that that kid doesn't go in the first round. I just look at supply and demand. I look at the factors of what Cousins just got and where the quarterback money's going. And, you know, I'm paying Osweiler $32 million for nothing. I'm paying Mike Glennon $19 million for 10 months. He, he, He can't even say 10 months. He lost his job in October. So they signed him in what, March? Sign him in March. By October, he's my backup, and he's going to make $19 million from me by next March. And then he's going to go somewhere else and get paid again. Sam Bradford, who's missed more games than he's played the last six years, gets $20 million. It's tough. So this is it. This is the way to do it. And yeah, I think when you look at teams at the back end, who, somebody, does somebody trade from two back under one to get one? You know, the Paxton Lynch scenario. Then you've got the New Englands who, if they don't trade up, I certainly think they're snatching one at the end of the first round with those two picks. Absolutely five. I think five in the first 15 or 16. And wow. then that, if that's the case, I have a hard time thinking 16 more slots go by without somebody trying to get Rudolph before having to deal with another potential trade or somebody else getting him at the top of round two. I mean, if Dorsey takes his quarterback at one, then that pick 33 is obviously open for business. So I think it's six.
0: Who is dropping uh, of this list? Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson, Bradley Chubb, Mika Fitzpatrick, Denzel Ward. Because if the quarterback run goes early, one or two of those guys could be slipping to uh, it's a somewhat surprising numbers, I would say.
1: I don't know that Barkley or Chubb gets past four if he stays there. Right? Okay. One of those two. Even if the Giants trade out, one of those two are going by four, and whoever's not going by four is going at six. So I I can't call that a drop. Nelson doesn't get past the Bears. His offensive line coach is now the Bears' offensive line coach. The Notre Dame proximity, the need on the offensive line, that kid is, you know, people throw around potential Hall of Famer with me left and right in the scouting community. So does he deserve to go one, two, or three? Yeah, but he's not getting past eight. So I I, I think they're all still going in the top ten.
0: And final one for me, you've been doing this for a long time. Is this uh, one of the more exciting times of the year for you and your business covering this, talking to the scouts, the personnel guys here as we go, uh, you know, less than two weeks before the draft? And, uh, you know, just speaking from a, a Jets fan's perspective, they're like Darn! Why isn't the draft in New York this time? Because the Jets. Hey, Jets I loved
1: it. I loved it in New York. J- I loved it at Radio City Music Hall. Jets, and, uh, Jets
0: are selecting three this
2: year. Jason, the Giants at two.
1: <laughs> you know, they uh, look. It's it's a business, as you guys know yeah. in the NFL, and they've they've the last eight years or so. However long it's been, was it been five years, eight years? I don't know since it's been there. Since they started moving it around, they obviously it becomes a week long event in those cities as well, and you got teams bidding on the draft now. It's a monumental event, and some people would say it's the second biggest day on the NFL calendar to the Super Bowl, and I don't know that I would argue with them just because it's a 365, 24-7 cottage industry. You guys know, within an hour of the first round ending this year, somebody, and more than one somebody, will have their 2019 first round mock draft already up, and there'll be somebody who, as ridiculous as that concept is, there'll be a whole bunch of people who click on it. So the interest is like at a fevered pitch. So yeah, I enjoy this time of year, but honestly, it's like a kid at Christmas where we're two weeks out and obviously within a 52-week calendar, like we're really close to Christmas. But those two weeks felt like an eternity, right? It was like one more week of like school and then, you know, then we're finally maybe really getting close depending on what day Christmas felt. And then, you know, when you're a couple days out and now you're like close to Christmas Eve, then there's an adrenaline rush and you're rocking and rolling. Right now, there's so much baloney out there. There's so much BS. There's so much just trying to fill the gap and burn off these 14 days till we get there that I really don't like this part, you know. The visits are almost over and the pro days are over and nothing's really happening, but people, you know, you got to keep feeding the beast. Once we get to the Monday before the draft and teams start talking to teams and trades start coming into focus and, you know, people in the know start getting a sense of, least which way certain teams might be leaning, it you know then that's when i you know for me it really starts rocking and rolling and and you know there'll be a couple trades or two that maybe even one that happens well before the draft or at least a day or two before the draft that will you know make everybody take their mock drafts and roll them up and throw them in the trash because oh well that just changed everything and as you guys know once one pick doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go it has a ripple effect to you know 15 other picks so it's become a huge part of the NFL and its grip on the country. I mean, they, they credentialed 1,200 people, 1,200 media members for the combine. I mean, wow. It's going to be the, the three networks are broadcasting the draft. I mean, just think about that. Like, but <laughs> there's going to be more networks broadcasting the draft than not broadcasting the draft <laughs> almost. I mean, yeah. so, yeah, it's a big deal.
0: At Jason Lockenfora, you have to follow him on Twitter because he's got a lot of nuggets, a lot of information out there. And he won't have his mock draft up until Christmas morning. That is (laughs) is Thursday, April 26th. We appreciate your time. Always great catching up.
1: My pleasure, guys. Have a good one. Thank you.
0: Christmas Day greens. Jason Lockenfora is talking about Christmas Day, and I think for Jets Nation, They've been awaiting to open that gift under the tree. Who's it going to be? Can't get here soon enough, but we've got a little bit of time before then, and the Jets are going to do their due diligence up to that point with their pre-draft visits, their private workouts, et cetera, and then they'll finally put together that big board, and we won't have to wait too long once we get to draft night because it's Cleveland, the Giants, then the New York Jets.
2: Who do you think Jets fans want? right now.
0: I have no idea. I mean, that's something we talked about on the podcast. I feel like the people who follow me when I get notifications, I believe the Baker train Mm -hmm. is in full effect. I I, I think uh, there's a lot of people on Baker Mayfield tracks because here's a guy who was so productive in college. He's a competitor. People like his moxie. He's the kind of guy who says, hey, get on my shoulders and I'll carry you. I don't care. I'm 6 foot 1. I'll take everybody with me. And I think a lot of people grew up here, Jets fans, considering themselves underdogs, yeah. blue collar. So, uh they really like that in uh, Baker Mayfield. With that being said, I think that there has been also an appreciation for a guy like Josh Rosen who you, if you watch him on film, what tremendous mechanics he has. He looks like he was born to play quarterback and throw the football. But then you go back and you start thinking about Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. I think both of those guys have loads of potential.
2: Well, we could sit here and talk about this all day. But the fact of the matter is that we don't know. The teams don't know. We're a couple weeks away. And the only time that we will know is when Roger Goodell, on April 26 walks up to the podium in Arlington, Texas, and speaks the words – with the third overall pick, the New York Jets select, blank. You know, and the,
0: what Lock and Forrest said there was very interesting, too, is that the Jets struck early on March 17th to put them in good position, moving up from 6-3 to three overall. And we talked about that trade ad nauseum. But there could be other trades that week of the draft here in a couple of days. That Monday before the draft, that Tuesday before the draft, I wouldn't anticipate a trade or two even before we get there.
2: The Jets did strike at a good time on March 17th because Jason Locke wrote an article about this. The Jets and the Colts both won that trade because it worked out for both sides and the Jets traded three second-round picks to move up three spots yeah, let's and see to ensure who the, themselves a the future.
0: Who, let's see who the Jets get. But the Colts could come out of this with, there he got their quarterback. Yep. We'll see what, how his health is, but the, they're very confident. They sounded very confident in Indianapolis that he's going to come back and he's going to be the Andrew Luck of old. But they still could come out of this with, they aforementioned, Saquon Barkley or perhaps the top pass-rushing prospect in Bradley Chubb out of NC State, or maybe they addressed the offensive line, Quentin Nelson. And if you get one of those guys, you're probably pretty happy because you're probably going to draft them anyway if you were three. But with that being said, we talked about this a lot. That was the right move for the Jets to move up from six to number three. uh,
2: You'll never be able to convince me otherwise. I would echo those sentiments, especially keeping the 2019 first-round pick in-house. And if there's a run at quarterbacks early, the Colts are basically ensuring themselves of – someone like Bradley Chubb, Saquon Barkley, or Quentin Nelson being there at six. And to be quite honest, that run of quarterbacks probably got sparked because of that trade because if you're a team looking to trade up, you got pigeonholed by Mike McCagnin because there's one spot that you're going to and it's number two. And so I think that there are obviously a lot of options here. But, hey, again, we're a couple weeks away. But the question is, will the Jets have the luck of the Irish on April
0: 26. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, yes. Well, did yeah. uh, I I, yeah, I said it's Irish, the. Irish because
2: St. Patrick's Day no, was a day I like it. trade.
0: I like it. I think that I think it's fair and I, I didn't think it was too much of a stretch. Okay. I'm just getting back to one of Lock and Fora's points is that I think people are missing this externally is that Josh Allen is really thought of highly yeah. in league circles. Yep. That's one of the key points that you got to take away from this podcast. Lock and Fora who has a lot of sources within the league. He talks to NFL personnel guys and scouts all the time. Josh Allen is thought very, very highly of because of a tremendous ceiling. And, listen, I know about his completion percentage, but he's an awesome thrower to football. He's also very athletic. So if somebody's going to take him early, could it be as early as one or two. You know, and forth, thinks. As of today, you won't be surprised at all. If Browns roll that way with the kid with the Wyoming cowboy.
2: If Josh Allen goes one, I think that the Giants stay put. Because oh, you do? Yeah, I, I, you I really said that, do.
0: And they go Sam Darnold there, Greens. Yes, I do. And then if the Jets do indeed take a quarterback at three, you think it would ultimately in your scenario, if you think if uh, Lock and Four is right, and the Browns go Allen. Yeah, Greens thinks that. Dave Gettleman, first year, GM with the Giants. We'll go Sam Darnold. And then ultimately, if the Jets take from that top quartet that a lot of people are talking about, you think it ultimately could come down to Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen.
2: Correct. Well, we got time to discuss that, but we don't have any more time. We're going to look more into that. But, again, keep your eyes open because if you haven't looked already, there's a Sam Darnold podcast up, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, all to come on the official Jets podcast, and then one more before April 26th. We're going to wrap things up. Draft, again, Christmas Eve in April. It's almost here.